Welcome to the Global Marketing Show, the podcast for all things international business. I'm your host, Wendy Pease, president of Rapport International and a translation expert. Come along with me today as we talk to an expert in the global marketing world about facing their biggest fears, hearing about mistakes they made or saw, discussing best practices, and sharing fun travel language and culture stories. Hi, and thank you so much for joining us on the Global Marketing Show podcast. I am so excited to welcome Sarah Baxter Orr with us today. She's got such a long, successful career in all parts of Verizon. She's been in wireless, cable, landline, and she's even worked for them in international. And on a side note, I didn't even know that Verizon had international, so I'm so excited to dig into this more. Currently, she's Senior VP and Global Head at Anaplan. So welcome, Sarah. Wendy, thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. So why don't we start? Why don't you tell us um, a little bit about your career at Verizon, and then we'll get into what you're doing now. Well, I was really fortunate to start my career with, uh, with, with Verizon and uh, get the opportunity to try a lot of different roles in a lot of different places. I primarily focused on operations, finance, and, and commercial planning. And, uh, you know, I, I, with that, I got to relocate a lot and enjoy uh, learning different aspects of the business from different parts of the U.S. And, and as you talked about, eventually I was able to serve in a couple of roles that uh, had, had global uh, reach. So uh, all of these jobs had in some way um, the uh, responsibility of connecting people and connecting systems and um, planning and really, really working on, um, you know, financial excellence. So I was, you know, like I said, just really fortunate to have this, this fun uh, career tour with them. That's great. So you really started in domestic and then you moved over to international. And since it's a global marketing show, I'm going to focus into that. So had you had any international experience before you moved over to international at Verizon? I did not. Verizon Wireless is, is, was where my career started, and that is very much a specifically a, a domestic company. So uh, there was some, you know, intimidation you know, moving into a role that was, you know, very global in nature. Yeah, so that I'd love to hear more about that because you're in a senior role and you move over to global and not hadn't had experience. So what were you most intimidated by? You know, I, w I wanted to make sure that I was able to connect with the teams, you know, understand what were their challenges, how might they be different, um, you know, than, than, than our challenges, how, how might I keep a regular cadence with them, might I not understand some aspect of the business because of my lack of exposure and experience. So there, there, was a, there was a lot on my mind when I took that role on. And what countries were you working with? Uh, really, uh, you know, uh, uh, almost all of them. Not quite, but, you know, think of your traditional theaters of maybe, um, you know, uh, Europe and, and, the, and the Middle East. Uh, all the way over to Africa and then Asia Pacific. So it, we really span the globe. 
Wow. So you walk in to a role <laughs> and all of a sudden you've got all these different cultures and languages to take care of. What's the, what's the first thing you do? I think the first thing you do is you reach out to your team and you, you let them know that uh, you're, you're willing to listen and to learn and so excited about that opportunity because I'm, I'm sure that uh, for the people on the other side, they're wondering, hey, how is this leader going to work with us? She doesn't have any experience internationally because they, they would know that somebody coming from uh, the wireless part of the business would, would, would not have had that exposure. So, you know, number one always when taking on a new team is um, making sure you, you communicate early and often. It was really interesting on an earlier podcast that I recorded, um, I was talking to a business leader who said that he walked in and tried to do it that way as I'm here to support you and listen and, you know, what would you like to talk about? And he said he ran into some issues over in the Far East um, because they expected much more hierarchical view. Like I'm here and then you ask questions, but you don't really say, hey, I'm, I'm going to lean on you. Did you ever have that experience or were most of the employees enough familiar with the American way of doing things? You know, I think I, I think it's really the latter. I think I was really fortunate enough to follow you know, a, a long list of leaders that, you know, conducted themselves in the same way, you know, that they were collaborative and, and very interested in, in helping the teams be successful. So I, I think I was lucky to, to walk into a kind of a preset environment, if you will. Okay, so they really, so Verizon was able to keep the culture around the globe and it worked successfully. Absolutely. You know, listen, I don't think any company can say that they're perfect at this, but, uh, but this, wasn't, this wasn't a situation where I had to build it from the ground up. Okay, yeah, so that must be really different. And so when you say, uh, like, absolutely, no company is perfect, and the best learning opportunities come from mistakes or struggles, what do you think some of the biggest struggles were that you had? I think some of the, you know, at times, you've got to make sure that just because something works in one part of the world, it doesn't work in you know the rest of the world. So you know you can't just build out a plan for one region with one set of stakeholders and expect that to work globally. There mm. might be barriers or roadblocks that you're not aware of, or specific rules or regulations that you need to adhere to. You need to collaborate with the teams in each region to identify what those barriers are, um, what the keys to success might be and tailor your approach for that market specifically to the extent that you can. Did you, do you have a story about a time when maybe it didn't work? I do that we had a, you know, we had a, a, a we actually had a, um, a financial performance uh, software that uh, we thought was fantastic and it, it worked pretty well in the, in the US. And um, it wasn't like a core system, but it was one, you know, think of it as a, an accessory of sorts. And, uh, and I was visiting a, a team in Europe and they said, you know, that doesn't work here, right? And there was a, there was a software glitch of sorts between, um, between the way that the network configuration was in one company, in one you know, part of the globe versus the other that was not allowing them to get access to it. So they were, they were kind of experiencing this handicap 
that that I, I didn't know about and it, it had not escalated through the right you know the right you know channels so you know by spending that time on the ground with them and and having some you know great village meetings uh, we were able to discover that and, and and it wasn't an easy fix by the way it would have been fixed it had it been easy it wouldn't have even gotten you know to, to that level of anxiety but um, then, then we were able to address it and fix it and it was a it was a big reminder to check to check in on the the tools, you know, that, that people have um, globally and make sure that those tools, you know, are the right tools and are, are, work, and are working for them the way they should be. Right, right. Because that's the kind of thing you might be wondering about, like, why are they having this poor performance and you're getting frustrated and saying to do it, but you might not realize or it doesn't bubble up to you that they don't have the tools that they need to. Absolutely. Hmm. Now, how much this was all pre-COVID and you ha you're covering the whole world. How much traveling did you have to do to manage the global team? I did a lot of, you know, teleconferencing with the team uh, to make sure that we I was staying in contact with them. So I traveled, you know, I would say moderately. I, I wasn't running around the globe that, that, because there are some positions especially I would think more in terms of like sales leadership where you will be, you know, out with the team on a much more frequent basis. So mm -hmm. my, my traveling was, I would say, limited to moderate. Oh, so you could do a lot with the phone and then the managers that you had on the ground. I, right. I, I was lucky enough to work for a, te uh, you know, a telecom company. So we had access to some really great uh, communication tools. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> you yeah. were probably doing video calls well before the rest of us. <laughs> um, okay, so then you move over to Anaplan. Why don't you tell us what you're doing now? So at, at Anaplan, um, I am, which is also a global team, um, I am working with our uh, global solutions, and I also head up our CFO advisory practice. So um, I basically uh, get to enjoy uh, educating and explaining um, the Anaplan platform and how we help companies, you know, transform uh, their their operations and and create value and you know and we do this globally. So uh, so it's uh, it's been it's been really interesting because I actually started six weeks before the pandemic. So you might ask me, did I travel a lot in my role? And the answer is absolutely not. I did not. <laughs> Do you think you're going to travel as we come out of it? Oh, I hope so. I am, I am, I am looking forward to, to traveling. But, you know, I think what the pandemic has exposed is that there's so much productivity that can come from not traveling. Yes. And uh, there were some really, really cool, you know, pivots that were made with the pandemic in, in terms of getting so much more opportunity to talk and to speak to our, you know, our employees and partners around the world and even change the way that you might go to market, you know, based on the fact that since everybody's going to be on, on a, you know, a, a WebEx or a Zoom or whatever platform you're using, you could you could get people all around the world easily on in one meeting and it I think it kind of sparked a new level of collaboration and um, you know a new way to really dig into 
things that were actually more common, you know, around the world than, than less common, you know, and I, you know, and certainly as, as I talk to companies and I talk to, um, you know, our, our, our partners, yeah, I started to see that we could maybe do things a little bit differently and kind of share global best practices in a way that I didn't, I don't even know you necessarily could have effectively before that. And it, it bought us time, right? I mean, the time that you weren't spending running through airports and, and, and you know, transportation, et cetera, uh, you know, I think some people gave that, I mean, all of us gave some of that time back to our family. Right. But I think we also used a lot of that in pivoting the way that we work and, and experimenting on, on new ways to stay, you know, closer and, and tighter. I was, um, you know, I was often given um, opportunities really to, to talk and to present to companies, you know, not even my own company, but other companies, um, you know, around the world. And that was, that was just, I don't think something we could have organized in a, in a, um, you know, in pre-COVID environment. Yeah, it's so, so different. I hear some people that have really suffered from not doing the in-person and they can't wait to go, but my experience has been more like yours, where it's just dramatically changed how effective and efficient you can be by taking out all that extra, you know, downtime while you're doing the traveling or trying to plan and, and getting more people in the room. So, you know, in the Zoom. Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it leveled the playing field. It removed barriers that might have existed previously within organizations. And when some teams were in the office and others were remote in another part of the world, and, and getting these diverse viewpoints, as you are very aware, always leads to more creativity. And I think we saw that during the pandemic. Thought leaders with global perspectives were able to bring those viewpoints to the table. Organizations were able to transform that creativity into innovation. And, and for, you know, in, in terms of Anaplan, it's something that we've always, you know, tried to prioritize because we are a global company. We've got 1,900 employees around the world. We, we have um, a network of offices from Singapore to San Francisco. But even before the pandemic, a lot of our employees, myself included, were, were fully remote. Uh, our, we're based out of San Francisco. I've, I've been in New York City and, you know, sometimes going into the office, sometimes working from home. I think that flexibility has helped us in particular be more nimble and productive over this past year. We, um, we can collaborate more effectively, share global viewpoints and perspectives and then deliver stronger innovations for our customers as a result. And one example, I was actually talking to Serena about this, is we had a partner who, um, who was organized a little bit differently. Um, you know, they were still kind of traditionally organized. And I said, hey, what if we just mixed up a little bit and we cross-pollinate your, your team? And, and just as I kind of mentioned before, why don't we take you know, some of the people from Europe and bring them over to Asia and talk about what you're seeing. And it really was an enriching conversation. And I think all of us felt like we had learned something new and unique and had an experience that, that was, was um, truly, truly fascinating, transformative. And it led, it led us to, you know, kind of form this like new uh, way that we might, uh, you know, talk to our customers and go to market together. 
Wow. Okay. So you've really had a lot. I mean, I'm just, I'm writing down a whole list of things that you've talked about that you've gotten out of this virtual, which you wouldn't have because it was kind of forced upon you. Absolutely. And, and, and it, there was a, and I think you probably already know this, but there's, and I said it, there's, there was a capacity um, opportunity. You, you could, you had more capacity to have conversations and, and to connect. Um, you know, I remember this moment early in the pandemic when I was uh, on the, on a, on a, on a, you know, a video call with a, a senior leader in, uh, in Asia. And, you know, you, you kind of, you got personal in ways that you didn't prior to the pandemic. And we ended up having, she had, she had, she had um, mentioned this, this program, this charity that her company was, uh, was supporting. And, and I said, and she had sent me a note about it. And it, it was near and dear to my heart because uh, I, I, might, I, have, I haven't adopted a daughter from Asia. And, and it was just such this moment. I said, you sent that to me and you, had, you would have had no idea that I, I have an adopted daughter from Asia. And we just had one of those people moments. Like mom, it was executive mm -hmm. to executive, but it was also just like mom to mom, human to human. And it was, it was fantastic. Oh, that is so neat, right? Because if you were over there traveling, it might not have ever come up in conversation. Correct. And you, 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 were, you, you got to have these moments where you, you know, take a beat, just take a beat. And I found, you know, I found this to be domestic and global that so many of the conversations started with, how are you doing? Oh, right. And, and, and that, that level of personalization, I think then helps drive the business and the professional conversation. It does. Well, and the other thing that I noticed is how many times would a child come in and sit on his, you know, dad's lap, which would have been, oh, so forbidden before. But now you've got kids running in and out and people saying, hang on, my, my child needs something. And it's, it's just more accepted. And that's another way to get to know people where you wouldn't have on the phone. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, mine a little bit opposite because I've got you know teenagers, <laughs> and uh, they did not want to be on camera. But one day, when they felt it was extremely necessary that I stopped my conference call to give them attention, they they put a red laser right on my forehead, which you could <laughs> easily see on on the video call. So yes, there are all all kinds of um, you know fun things happening when you mix home with work. Oh, oh, that is priceless. I've got two teenage boys and that is definitely something they would do. <laughs> oh, that, that would be a conversation piece right there. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're working all over the world, 1,900 employees. What language are you working in? I, okay, I, full transparency, I, prime, I, I work in English, so, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm lucky enough that, um, you know, the majority of our, our customers, or sorry, um, the, the people that I'm engaging with um, are, are speaking English as well, um, because you're right, we have, we have um, just over 1,700 customers in 57 countries, so we're, um, you know, constantly working with them and, you know, working on, on that global footprint level. In my role, I'm on the phone with global business leaders every day, trying to understand the pain points that they're dealing with within their organizations. And we have partners, we have over 200 partners around the globe 
that can provide that, lo that local expertise and, and bridge that um, language gap. Um, as we saw over the pandemic, those, um, you know, some of the pain points that companies were dealing with, um, they, they can be very similar from region to region, and then they can change in an instant, especially if you think about as the, as the virus kind of took different courses, you know, at, and at different times with various countries, um, you know, and so you were constantly having to have that empathy and be aware of, well, where, where, are, where, are, you, where are you right now with, with the pandemic? Because, you know, different companies were open and closed and countries were open and closed at, at various time periods. And, and there were, you know, there were clearly some in, incredibly challenging and sad uh, experiences in, in very specific regions. And you just had to consider all of that as you were, you, you know, conducting your business around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, our um, bookkeeping is done in India and it was just like, and I know a business owner that his primary business is there and just things had to slow down when, you know, that started rising up. So it's just been crazy. Um, okay. So you're, I mean, the sensitivity in your success as a manager is certainly coming through. And so you've been able to be successful that way. And just speaking English, I want to drive that point home because there's so many people that are afraid of languages and they think if they don't speak another language, they can't do global business. Have you ever been in situations where you felt like if, oh, if I only spoke the language or I'm having trouble here or had a misunderstanding? Oh, of course. I mean, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, and I think you just get through that and you, and you, and you respect it. You, you respect and, and acknowledge, boy, I wish we could, I wish we could both talk, you know, um, effortlessly, fluidly in the same language. And, and there have been times, you know, honestly, where I've had, you know, somebody there to translate, not to translate for, you know, back and forth, but in case something, you know, might have slipped through the cracks to make sure that they could jump in and fix it. What she means is, or Sarah, what he's asking is, and and which is which is nice, and it's it's you know it's 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 a it's a it's another you know another way or another tool, if you would, um, you know, to get through some of those conversations, so you don't lose the opportunity to have a meaningful exchange with with somebody. Do you ever have interpreters there for that reason, or are you fully trying to do it in English? No, no, no. We'll all, you know, like, especially, you know, in Asia, uh, we'll, we'll have, um, you know, bilingual uh, folks, you know, on, on the call to make sure that they can um, help interpret um, if, you know, like I just mentioned. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're listening to both parties and when they can see that a misunderstanding is happening, then they can jump in and help facilitate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even not a misunderstanding, but like maybe, maybe they, they can tell that, Maybe I haven't effectively, uh, you know, gotten through to the other side or vice versa. Okay. And then how are you doing your marketing? But we still have, we have, we have, um, we have global marketing. So we, we have, we have uh, people on the, on the ground again that can um, do the translations and, and, and take our material and put it into the, um, put it into the, you know, locations for the, uh, the areas that, that we focus in. 
Okay, so you you have global marketing that's run out of corporate or wherever virtually, but you have a, a, a global marketing campaign messaging and target personas, and then that all goes out to all the individual markets for them to translate, or can they create their own? So we have we have local people that can then in turn um, create some of their own, and we're we're a younger company, so we we're not as mature as you know some you know global companies that have been around for thirty or forty years. We went public uh, just around two and a half years ago, so we're still we're still um, you know growing in that capability. So um, I'm excited you know as 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 we as our global reach continues to expand, um, you know to even mature that further. Well, I'll have to get your address after the podcast because I just wrote a book on best practice. It's called The Language of Global Marketing. Translate your domestic strategies into international sales and uh, uh, profits. And I'd be happy to send you oh, a copy because it can that. give you a... You can, never, you can never be too good at that. And, and there's, there's always more opportunity for sure. Yes. Yes, and this is uh, it's a roadmap on how to do it. So um, I'll definitely give you that for food for thought if you're interested in it. Yeah, it's, I think uh, one of the great things is that our platform is it's like a digital it's a digital platform, and it, it and we're solving universal business problems, which which I think when it comes to data and code and data science, it's that those are truly universal languages, which might give us a, a, a leg up. Um, in terms of really anybody around the globe starting to understand uh, our capabilities because they can start to see the math and they can, they can you know, use the platform, uh, which is, is kind of exciting. Oh, okay. So it's done on math and research. So no matter where somebody is or what language they speak, they can still access the information. They, well, it's, and and I and I, I just back to my point, like math and data science and um, and, and planning and and coding uh, is is such a universal language in and of itself. Yes. And we focus on making our platform easy to implement, customizable, and scalable, so that our global customers can make decisions with confidence to address the needs of their specific region or market. Um, as an example, um, there's a CPG company. They can model and demand in one market based on a very specific set of relevant signals, insights there. Then they can scale it globally, but to the extent it needs to be customized, it is one of the more fantastic uh, parts of our platform in that they truly can, um, you know, because we're selling to global companies, they can take our platform and actually uh, make it fit specifically for their various regions and markets. So not only can we do it, but, but the way that our platform works, it, it actually allows our customers to do it, which is, um, which is I, you know, somewhat unique and special. Yes, that really is. And so you're all over the place. Do you have certain countries or cultures that are more apt to buy into that? I mean, I, what I'm thinking about is if you look at the scale of different cultures and where people fall, there's some that are more fact data driven, some that are more emotional driven, and some that are more like higher power, you know, religion driven. So now I'm kind of curious with the platform like yours, do you see a difference in which countries are 
you know, demand, you know, are interested in your product and do they happen to fall out in those areas? That's a great question. I think, you know, we certainly have a very strong presence uh, all over Europe and, and we, do, we do a lot in Asia. And what you might see is depending on, you know, the situation and circumstance and, and, and regulation and the way business is done, they may narrow in on different, you know, different use cases. Uh, we have different solutions that address, you know, uh, you know, very strong, um, you know, business demands in, in say, supply chain. Obviously, all of your operational planning and forecasting and scenario management, um, HR and and sales performance. So we, you know, we will see certain, um, you know, certain regions, if you will, maybe maybe doubling down in one area versus a, another, but. Um, but in general, what, what we do find is once they start in one category, if you will, that they start to expand in other categories. Okay, so it's really getting them into door, in the door in whichever category they want, but then they see the benefit of it and then they expand from it. Absolutely. Okay, what are your biggest challenges? Well, you know, uh, our biggest challenges, you, you know, I think they're, they're similar to all companies. You know, I would say right now, a big challenge, perhaps globally, is, you know, talent and talent transformation. So kind of two things going, maybe two or three things going on at once. You've got, you've got like a digital revolution, you know, so all parts, you know, of the globe are having to increase uh, their employees' digital fluency. Um, and and in you know, digital capabilities, uh, you have the situation with the um, pandemic that has, from you know, for obviously for non frontline non service organizations has has proven that there's a lot of things that can be done you know completely working remotely 100% of the time, and that's creating an interesting kind of talent situation where. People aren't having to move to take on new roles, and 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 what that's causing is, you know, I, you know, again, we talked about my my Verizon career and even my Anaplan career. Often, people turn down opportunities because uh, it, it it required a move to another state, a move to another city, a move to another country, and right. some of those, a lot of those boundaries have been taken down now, and so what that is creating is a talent war and and you know so this is a situation where employees have the choice about where they work who they work for the kind of company they want to be working for and and they're and they're voting and so you're seeing a lot of people just transferring you know from one company to another and i think i think we will i i can't speak factually but i think we will see that as a, as a global situation so i think this kind of war for talent is going to be around for, for a while. And so companies are really going to have to think through how, you know, what do I do to retain my employees? What, what do I have to offer my employees? And, and, you know, culturally and, you know, and whatever culture you're in, are my employees happy about where they work? So um, I guess that's, that's how I'd answer that question. Yeah, that's a, I, I certainly have seen that because we've been trying to hire for a while now and we've been virtual, but it's hard to find people. And I think what you're talking about is exactly true. Um, and it's, you know, so it's an employee's market at this point. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I've seen with a lot of business owners that I know is going offshore for administrative assistance and sales support and all these things. Hire, like I've got somebody in Kenya. Um, I know there's a bunch in the Philippines. I know there's, you know, people that are getting support down in, um, in various South, Central and South American countries. So that I've seen skyrocket over the last couple of years. And then you're also seeing, uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. And it depends on like, is it, is, it, is it service, is it software? And then if you think about, you know, manufacturing, almost maybe the reverse where some, some things might be coming back domestic in order to, um, you know, lower the, you know, the carbon footprint, uh, you know, so, so you've got like kind of some separate, really separate activities going on right now, um, you know, as, as, as everything is evolving. Well, and then add in all the people who might have gone into manufacturing now going into more tech jobs, manufacturers are having a heck of a time just hiring. So I did a, um, we have a case study on our website. Um, it's rapporttranslations.com. And if you go there and, and search for the manufacturing case study, Boston Centerless has had really good luck hiring employees that don't speak English and how they've incorporated in and their signage and how they can get promoted and cross train. They, they don't have trouble hiring. So I'm talking to a lot of HR managers about how you can implement that without just thinking, oh, we have to teach them English because you don't, you can get some very talented, highly educated people. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you at Anaplan build a culture in a company that is growing so fast and is so international. You know, I you know I would say, you know, from my perspective, I've learned a lot about you know navigating global relationships, both from a leadership and a sales perspective. Um, there's some tips that maybe you know I would offer. You know, take time to understand and really see what is different. Listen to all people at all levels. Don't you know? Don't assume that that you're getting your that your your you know team direct underneath you is getting all the information. Make sure that you're talking you know to to a vast and diverse you know crowd. Do not assume that anything is the same internally or externally, business operations or people expectations or the experience. And and obviously we already talked about it, but one size does not fit all. So the challenge then is how to get the economies of scale. You know, uh -huh. being global, but applying it local, which is, you know, that's, that's, that's your sweet spot, right? If you can do that super effectively, you know, lead through your leaders, don't lead over them, um, help them lead better. And, you know, I think it's, you know, it, it's always going to come down to culture and leadership. Um, you're going to drive change by working with the local leadership to affect that change. And then they, in turn, will be able to adapt and, and assist you. It may not be in the way you fully imagined it. And so you've got to accept sometimes when you've got some outcomes that were not quite what you were targeting. And I think through all of this, be authentic and transparent and, um, and, encourage, and, and encourage your teams you know, globally to do the, to do the same. You know, just just that, that trust, that transparency. When, when it's felt on both sides, I think then you can really, you know, create a winning formula. Mm -hmm. Now, does Anaplan have mission, vision, and values? 
And do you communicate those across the globe? We do, we do, and and we can even we, I can even send that to you after this um, after this uh, podcast. But a absolutely. And what what do you find goes across the globe that it's consistent? One I of mean, the things that we have, and Serena might help me out, out a little bit here. Um, we have a, a global communities group uh, where uh, people can um, talk to each other. Our customers can talk to each other. They can talk to um, you know to, to our support center, to our leaders, to to our. Um, we have a community group, and we have over fifty-five thousand users globally. And they can then also speak in their own language. And I think that's been, you know, qu quite a game changer for us. Ah, that's fantastic. So customers can talk to each other or they can talk to people internally. Yes. And so they're connecting with each other and then sharing best practices. You probably get a ton of information from that. Absolutely, and they and and it's it, that that sharing of the best practices and that um, you know crowdsourcing of solutions and 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 you know problem solving is is fantastic and certainly effective. Yes, yes, a lot of uh, companies have trouble. You know, that's what they want to do is create that community but they've had trouble doing it so it sounds like you've been very successful doing it and giving access around the world any suggestions for somebody listening who might want to do that well my suggestion would be they could they could hop on our website at anaplan.com and take a look at our communities how, how we've set them up and uh you know certainly use that as a guide point yes okay so we'll put that in the show notes, but Anna Plan is A N as in Nancy A P L A N dot com. Absolutely. So the global community is fantastic. And then um, you know, you're also having great success with the company. What is a like how does the CEO drive the culture? You know, what are what are some of the things that stand out to you? Sarah, we, you know our our, our CEO. Um, you you will hear him talk about company character, um, how it catalyzes loyalty, agility, and hyper growth. We lead with you know authentic leadership and transparency, and we're very much a purpose driven company. And we find that that really works well for us. Oh, okay, that's that is really good to hear because usually with a company that's growing that fast, there's something that people can rally around. And I've heard it from another company that they rallied around quality, but you've got the hyper growth, the authentic, the transparency, and the purpose. And so if everybody stays focused on that, that's what's enabled you to grow so successfully over time. Absolutely, we focus on on our employees and and our customers. And that's that's what's always top of mind as we, as we are growing the business and creating creating that culture that ultimately um, allows people to to transform and grow and be on the same you know be on the, be on the same game page. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You absolutely have to. I mean, HubSpot is famous for talking about they got to a certain size and then all of a sudden, you know, here are these two techie guys who are going, huh, we need a culture. So they came out with their whole culture. So it sounds like you've, your CEO is on top of that and really has figured out something that can work internationally. 
Absolutely. To the extent he actually just released a book, Frank Calderoni, and it's called Upstanding. And it talks just exactly about those things. And it kind of goes into detail, you know, all of the different efforts that, uh, that, that he and, and the company have, have put in place to stand behind that. Okay. So can you tell me the name of the book again? Yeah, the book is called Upstanding. And it's by Frank Calderoni, C-A-L-D-E-R-O-N-I. Okay. All right. So yes, we'll get the link in the show notes to that too, um, because it sounds like a fantastic book. All right. So I want to switch over to some personal questions for you now. What's your favorite foreign word? It, does Moe Shandan count? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you know, I, I had the opportunity um, right before uh, COVID to visit Champagne, France and, and go through the tunnels. And it was just, an, for me, such an, an amazing experience. And I, I did the, you know, the thing that I always try to do. I, I begged for the back office tour and you know, to see the, you know, the real stuff that was happening and walk the, walk the, the, the cat, the catwalks. And it was, it was so fun and amazing. And um, it was, it was different. And then I, I didn't even know, know what to expect. So I, I just, that, that's going to always be one of, you know, one of my most favorite, you know, travel moments. <laughs> Moe Chandon. So I bet everybody's going to go out and get some champagne tonight. <laughs> oh, that's, that actually, I, I didn't even intend that, but they also are a customer of ours. So it does, it does, it does work out nicely. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yes, go buy two bottles tonight then. <laughs> yeah. And so you just answered the next question I'd like to ask is what's been your favorite vacation? Oh wow! You know, one of one of the most impactful vacations is I had the opportunity to go to uh, to South Africa and and visit different parts of the country, and it was it was so amazingly beautiful, and um and and it that that was a, a true experience for me. Um, also, I think um, you know I mentioned I I adopted my daughter in in China, so um, traveled throughout various parts of China in order to complete that process, and. You know, I probably, if she were listening to this, I think she'd want me to say that was my, my favorite trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't know, I was going to say your favorite, um, what's the word I'm looking for where you take home your, your, your gifts that you bring? <laughs> yep, yep. She, she, was the she was the best, the best thing I ever acquired internationally. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and how about um, a crazy cross-cultural or memorable cross-cultural experience in work? Oh, wow. Oh, a memorable cross. You know, I, oh, I just have this one kind of story where I feel like I was in three countries in 24 hours, uh, you know, being um, uh, the UK, Ireland, and the U.S., um, maybe it was more like 36 hours, but it was this crazy day that I didn't even think was possible through transportation. But, and, you know, I, I, I started in the UK and then, you know, 36 hours later, I was back in the U.S. via a minor hop in Dublin. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm exhausted just hearing about that. 
and then my son then my son wanted to go to a movie premiere in the city and that's why I'm telling you this because I'm like am I going to physically live through this <laughs> and you slept the whole way right <laughs> through the movie I, I, got, I did get to sleep a little bit on that plane <laughs> that is crazy now I have to ask when you were in South Africa did you come across a smiley I did not <laughs> I read Trevor I read Trevor Noah's book and there he talked about when he was young they'd get smileys because it was the cheapest thing that you could get to eat and it was a goat's head that was boiled and you'd kind of pick the meat off of it <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with I'm kind of happy I didn't trust that <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, but I'm so curious to see what it's looked like when it's served. <laughs> so what's the most unusual food you've seen? Well, uh, when we were in China, there's a, there's certain like bugs that are exotic. And, um, and so, you know, I, I did get the opportunity to get exposed to that. And, um, you know, for for, for, for me, not exactly my first choice, but it was so interesting. And the, the, the food in general in China overall, like for me was off the charts, so fantastic. I, I you know, I would wanna go back there for the food alone. Mm -hmm. Oh, cause everything is just so fresh. Yes, yep. Yeah. I remember going there and they'd walk you down to the fish tanks and you had to pick out the exact fish that you wanted to eat. So you can't get, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm wondering if you have any final recommendations for our listeners for doing global work. You know, I would, I would just, I would just always be curious, always, always want to learn, always be interested in, in, in what your customers and your employees are telling you, you know, show up, you know, with your, you know, proverbial sleeves rolled up and, you know, ready to collaborate and, and keep that constant, you know, open line of communication there. So, so you, because you, you, everybody has the same goal and that's to, to drive your, your company's goals and missions further. So, um, you know, that, that that open line of communication i think is where it, it all starts and then the rest will come to you that's fabulous advice and where can people reach you if they want to sarah.orr at anaplan.com fantastic well thank you so much for being here with us today it was fascinating to hear about your background and what you've done and what anaplan is doing now i think if anybody's interested they should definitely check that out anaplan.com so thank you oh thank you wendy i so appreciate it um, and listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you know of any companies that are international and do want to streamline uh, their operations and get better what they do, um, share this podcast with them. Um, it's certainly interesting to hear about uh, how you can go international and grow really fast. Um, I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Um, so we'll catch up with you next time. Thank you. That's a wrap for this session. A big thanks to you for listening to the Global Marketing Show. Hope you had just as much fun as I did. 
New sessions launch weekly on all places you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on our website. If you know someone interested in this topic, please tell them about us. Au revoir for now.